0: So today we're going to start in Revelation chapter 9. I'm going to read the entirety moving into verses 11 and 12 where we moved left off. So open up to Revelation 9. And the last announcement, I tricked you, is uh, because we're not getting in the Bible yet. I got one more. Is uh, Two weeks ago we invited you to join us in what we're calling the Advent Conspiracy. Where instead of spending in this time of consumerism all our money on stuff, maybe just pause and Reevaluate how we spend our money, and maybe support other things, local missions and national missions. And we put a challenge out to you to just consider maybe maybe giving towards some of the stuff we're doing here at South Beach Church. We put a, a challenge out there, ten thousand dollar challenge, and I'll update you that on that as the, as the weeks go on. Uh, you guys are generous, though. Let me just say that, okay? Generous, very generous, and 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 I'm thankful for that. And last week I challenged two groups of people. I challenged the group of people that are the tithers, the ones that worship God with your wallet, your time, your talent, and your treasure. You just you tithe. You get some money, you realize all of it's from God, and you're going to give him a portion. And, and I challenge the tithers here to maybe above and beyond your tithe, just pray. What would God have you to, to give towards, towards missions? And, and then to the group of people that aren't tithers, the ones that haven't figured that out yet. You just, no one told you or you didn't know it was a deal or whatever your case is. And I challenge those who don't worship with their wallet, with their treasure, to consider doing that just giving God what, what is his and, and testing him. And, and while I was preaching that, you know I don't like to talk about money and, and we don't, we've never taken an offering here in the last nine years, 10 years almost, never taken an offering once and you guys are just generous, it's, it's really, really cool. But, but while I was speaking, uh, God was also speaking and some people were listening. So I went to the store a couple days later and this gal, my friend of mine, at Fred Meyers, you ever been to Fred Myers before? It's so cool, man. And then the Lord works there. It's cool. And and I was walking in front of her, and she said, hey, when you were talking, it was like, the Lord was speaking right to me. And I was like, I thought it was about the message. She goes, no, when you were talking about tithing, I was like, no way. Wow, that's usually when people zoom, out know, tune out. and she said, oh, no, no. It was like the Lord's just challenging me that I don't, I don't tithe. I love Jesus. He saved me, and I, I serve where I can, but I don't, I don't give it. I just knew he wanted me to walk in that. And I instantly just gave my friend there three things to think about. I said, okay, well, here's a cool thing. When you tithe, what's going to happen is, is you're going to become a greater or more fruitful worshiper. You're just going to be a worshiper because it's worship. You're going to worship God. And if you worship God more, not just on Sundays when we sing, but if you worship God with your wealth, you'll find yourself worshiping God more and worshiping other things less because you're already busy worshiping God. I'll just ask a question. Don't raise your hands. Do you guys ever find yourself worshiping lesser things in this world? Just like, man, just so, so in lesser things. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 6. He said, where your treasure is, there your, your heart will be also. Your treasure so if you put your, your treasure, wherever you put it, wh- wh- your heart's gonna go there. You're gonna be a worshiper of that. So if you, if you just say, look, I'm gonna, I wanna be a better worshiper, and I think all of us wanna do that. We just, we are at church today. You know this is church, right? You're at church today, and I wanna worship. And one of the challenges, I think, is if we worship with, with our finances, you're, you're making a step forward and becoming a worshiper of God. The second thing, I qu- and I didn't talk that long at Fred Myers. I, I said, hey, you're gonna be a worshiper. I said, the second thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna be obedient. Because God says to do it. He says it in the Old Testament. He says it in the New Testament. Give to God, which is God. And I don't know about you, but does anyone here struggle with simple obedience from time to time? Like just simple, sheer obedience? Like anybody struggle? Me and three other people. The rest of you guys are goody two-shoe teetotalers. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Most of us struggle with simple obedience. God says to do something, we're like, eh, And we, we don't do it. And, and, and the, the walls don't cave in and we don't, you know, get struck dead. We just, eh, we just, we just live in simple disobedience. And yet I don't want to do that. I want I want to be one who responds obediently, and and it it starts with a simple obedience. I'm just going to do it because because God says to do it, and 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 really as you grow up in your life, as when you're a kid you do kid stuff. That's what Paul said. You just do kid stuff. Kids are kids. Kids kids do weird stuff. You ever been a kid before? Man, it's horrible. And then you get older, and God says, no, don't do kid stuff anymore. Grow up, do adult stuff. Do be responsible, and you just do it. And I want to be more obedient. In the little things, because if you're obedient in the little things, when the big challenges come your way, you won't falter. You won't strike out. You won't blow it. And so I told this guy, I was like, not only will you be a, a worshiper, and, and you'll be obedient. And the third thing is that you who hear these announcements and get a C, we spent lots of money yesterday feeding the community, okay? Lots of money, blessing the community on Friday. You know what? When you give to these little boxes around the corner here, you actually get to sit back and say, yeah, I'm part of that. I believe in the ministry of Jesus Christ here in the local church. And, and why I don't put all those events together. I, I, I made that happen. Clyde's going to Haiti. Jan's going to Nigeria. The team's going to Lebanon. People are doing things. And you get to sit back and say, I'm not just a consumer. I'm a contributor. I really am. And I believe God wants you. And sometimes you get to actually participate and do other things. I just put that out there for you again because I'm your pastor and I'm your friend. And I will be held accountable by the way that I teach and lead, not only by example, but also by way of instruction. So uh, that being said, uh, continue to pray about how God would have you, listen, steward your time, talent, and treasure. Each one of us have a commodity of time. Time is valuable. What do you do with your time all day? I would suggest giving a large portion of it to God, okay? God, Lord, I am yours. I'm not my own. Everywhere I go, whatever I... 1 Corinthians 10.31, my time and, and your talent. Each one of us are... Made differently. You guys have different talents and skill sets. And I was going through this with my son Noah over here the other day about the body parts and which ones are more important and which, you know, the kidneys and the things. And, you know, they all have different talents, do they not? They're all pretty important. Your talents and then also your treasure. That is how God has resourced you. So be that as it may. I love you guys. So Thankful for your generosity. And as you mature with me, and as we let the Lord uh, uh, search and seek our hearts out. So take your Bibles now and open up to Revelation chapter 9. I'm going to say a prayer and ask God to bless our time together. And we're going to get into God's word and see what he does. Father, in Jesus' name, you've given to us your word as a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Lord, it is inspiration. It is alive. It is active. Lord, it's been preserved. Nations have tried to eradicate it. Critics have tried to destroy it. People have tried to ignore it and it won't work. Your word is steadfast. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that you've taken your word and you've elevated it in in importance, even above your own name. And so Lord, as we open up your word now, would would you shake us up, those who need to be shook? Would you wake us up? those who need to be woke? Lord, would you take us up out of the the miry clay, those who need to be taken up? Just do, through your word, what needs to be done. And I would be the first to just say, Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And would you do that for my brothers and my sisters here today? We thank you, God, for all you've done and all you're gonna do, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. We're in Revelation 9. Our study time will begin in verse 11 and 12, where we left off last week. But I want to begin at the beginning of chapter 9, because in chapter 9, verse 1, there are three woe judgments, three trumpet judgments remaining. And as these three trumpet judgments come from God, they're actually executed, listen, by the devil himself. And I want you to understand that. There are two main themes in today's text, one of which is Fun and exciting. And it's the goodness and mercy and glory and patience and kindness and long-suffering and salvatory work of God. He saves from the uttermost to the guttermost. Jesus saves. Jesus is king. Jesus is real. And That's one of the themes we see in the book of Revelation. The other theme I don't want you to miss out on or be deceived by is that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's no happy medium between the two. God is gracious, long-suffering, and only ever always wants to save you. It's what he wants to do. And when he gives us his word and he gives us his command and he gives us an instruction, it's not just for information. I got some information. It's for transformation because he wants to save you. He wants to do a deeper work in you. And the devil, though, as real as the good news is the bad news, and he wants to take you out. And so I want to begin in verse 1 because Jesus Christ is in heaven in this futuristic portion of Scripture And how awesome is it to study chapter nine of the book of Revelation, 10 days before Christmas. We're studying Armageddon here today. Okay, 10 days before Christmas, which underscores the fact that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, okay? If if you didn't know and I wouldn't watch it, but it is a Christmas movie. Don't watch it, but you know, there's just cosmic battle here. And so I didn't choose this text. This text chose you and here's the deal. Jesus is breaking the seals one at a time, which unleashes... The wrath of God, or the cleansing of God, or listen, the renewal of God. Because God is ultimately going to make a new heaven and a new earth. What is God up to right now when he's shaking the nations, when he's waking the heathen, when he's getting our attention? He wants to bless you. He wants to bless us. Satan, in that whole entire time, also wants to take people out, take people down. And so to this day, we can look at this portion of Scripture into the future and say, oh, wow, that's going to happen, because it will. But I also want us to look at our own lives and say, what are we doing in response to God's goodness, listen, and how are we responding to Satan's tests and traps and temptations? Because as we see this portion of scripture, it says that Satan is unleashed in his cohorts, and his demons, and he bugs people, and he plagues people, and he bites people, and he stings people to destroy them. And yet God's using that stinging, biting, plaguing, and bugging, he's using all that to save people. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you guys got bugged this week? bugged by life, you get stung. Anybody 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 do any stinging this week? Anybody cause any problems for other people this week? I not only got bugged by some people, you guys, I also did the bugging. I found myself, you know, dealing with Luke Frechette once again. What does the devil want to do there? To destroy every time, every stinking time. What does the Lord want to do? He wants to save. He's right there. The mercies and the graces of the Lord are new every single morning. So jump in now to the water with me in verse one. It says, then the fifth angel, this is all last week, sounded and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. And to him, this star was given the key to the bottomless pit, the abyss. And he, that is Satan, this fallen star, opened the bottomless pit. Smoke arose out of the pit, the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as scorpions of the earth have power. Stinging and biting. Verse 4, and they were commanded, listen, not to harm the grass, the earth, the green, or any tree, only the men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads, that is the unrepentant sinners still left on planet earth. There were repentant sinners on earth at this time. They're known as the 144,000 tribulation saints, the people that had been saved. They were saved, sealed, and now they're serving. They would be protected. Look at verse five. And they, that is the demons, the locusts, were not given authority to kill them but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. And in those days, men will seek death and they will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Now, we talked about this last week. These demons, these locusts, these bad guys, bugging people, biting people, plaguing people, yet with parameters. God says, don't touch these certain things. And this only lasts for five months. Oh, and then by the way, you can't kill them. What's, what gives God? What's going on? And God would say, Because I have a plan even in this tough time. I have a plan in the tenseness. I have a plan in the difficulty. I'm waking you up, shaking you up. I'm taking it. I'm doing something. I got to remind myself of that when I go through tough times. You ever look at God every once in a while and be like, Are you for real? Do you see these people? And the Lord says, I see you, bro. And you look at the situations and you have to understand God's doing something. He knows what he's doing. Look at verse seven, they're described. The shape of the locusts were like horse prepared for battle and their heads crowned something like gold and their faces like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair and teeth like a lion's teeth. Breastplates like breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. And they had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails. And the power was to hurt men again Five months. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, that is the abyss, whose name was in Hebrew Abaddon, but in Greek he had his name Apollyon, both which mean destroyer. One woe is past. Behold, two more woes are coming after these things. Now stop right there and eyes up here. Again, this book was given to John, who was on the island of Patmos praying, and God gave him this vision. And I believe it was information. Here's what's gonna happen, John. Now you know. But I believe it was also transformation that John would be inspired and illuminated in the church as well because that church then was suffering more than this church is now. That church then had more difficult days than we've ever seen or imagined. And God wanted them to see this and to know, you know who's behind all this, by the way? This pain, this difficulty, this suffering. You know who's behind the temptation and the chaos and the crazy? The devil. The devil. It's all the devil. And where's God in this? God is good all the time and all the time. Thank you. And if you're like me, you get tested in this daily. If you're like me, you're a believer and you have unbelieving friends that look at the real world and they see the news reports and they, they look at you and say, you believe in God? How, explain this. And if you don't understand that there is an enemy afoot, that there is darkness around us, that this is how it's going down, not only will you not have a good answer for those who have good questions, but you might, God forbid, one day, make the wrong decision when you're being tested. Don't raise your hands or make eye contact with anybody. But in your moments of testing, things are difficult. You're tired. You're, you're blue. You're lonely. <coughs> Have you ever been tempted to just relax in your pursuit of God and just kind of, just allow a little bit of the things of the world come in? Have you ever just Been tempted to get a little little carnal. Maybe not go crazy, at least not as some would define crazy. But he just, you know, just I'm just tired. I'm going to let a little bit of this stuff in. Not realizing, not admitting, not not aware that these things that we allow into our lives, all of us, are from hell itself. John 10.10, Jesus said, I've come to give life and life abundantly. But the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. His name is Destroyer. And what happens is, is in this day, in John's day, I wonder if the church was being tempted. Domitian was killing everybody. The church was falling apart and failing. John had been in prison. Peter had been killed. Paul had been killed. The whole thing's falling apart. You know what? I think I'm just gonna, in Rome, why not do what the Romans do? I'm gonna get a little nutty. And this book had to come out. Now, guys, there is sulfur all over some of that stuff. But I'm tired. It's tense. It's difficult. I, I get it. Remember in the Old Testament when things got tense for him? He was tired. There was tears at home. and He laid his head down on her lap. Her, her name was Delilah. No, no man in the Old Testament, maybe, maybe Joseph, but no man in the Old Testament had as much potential as Samson. God anointed him before he was born, chose him. Samson had a, a plan. And yet Samson in... in in his life made mistakes and compromises and, and he got tired and blue, and he, he decided to compromise a little bit. And what did it do for him? It destroyed him. It destroyed him. Remember, remember Samson? I mean, the guy could, he had it, he, he was a he-man with the she-weakness and it killed him. Remember Jojo though, Joseph, dreamer dreams? He also had potential. God anointed him at a young age and, and Joseph, he thought something of and he told his brothers and his dad and they slapped him around and they bullied him, you know, and it didn't go well for him. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't spaz out. He was sold as a slave. He was framed by his boss's wife and forgotten in prison. And Joseph had every right, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like Daniel to spaz out while in Babylon and do weird stuff. You know what he didn't do? He didn't do that. And God had a plan. Here's my application for you guys. This book was given to John then for the church then and the church now. There is a temptation to give ourselves a hall pass when things don't go your way, when you get laid off, when your spouse isn't being nice to you, when your health fails. And I would just encourage you to have a deeper root than that, a deeper anchor. And That's where Bible study helps us. And for me, this verse is like, wait a minute, what's the devil want to do when he's offering me these little subtleties and these little niceties of the world? Oh, he wants to destroy you. That doesn't sound nice. I'm not sure if I have any room in my relationships for destruction. You know, just a little bit of destruction in my marriage, a little bit of destruction in my, my friends, a little bit of destruction. No, I don't have, it helps me. And I believe it helps the church as well when we study this. Be alert. By the way, this won't change the fact that you're bugged, that it's tense. You might be lonely. Life didn't go the way you wanted it to. Isn't that crazy? What if John right here, John could have been praying, Lord, change it all. He's like, I will in a couple of thousand years. It's going to be tough for, for millenniums. Yep. You know, so you're good all the time and all the time you're good. Yep. And the devil's a destroyer and a murderer. And he's described here in colorful ways. And I think it's a word that the church needs to consider. We'll talk about this in chapter 10 a little bit more next week. Look at verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, remember there are seven angels with trumpets, five have sounded. And the sixth one. And he said, release, verse 14 the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. And so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, and the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. And the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. That's what he says there. The reason he has to say I heard the number of them was because he just told us the number, 200 million. And maybe even when he heard that, he didn't believe it. And so he's like, no, I I heard it. I saw it. I I, I seen it. They were there. And the reason that he had to underscore that is because there wasn't 200 million men on planet Earth at that time. This was an absurd number. Like, did you you say million? 200? Oh, I see it. 200 million. This army, this futuristic Armageddon army. Back it up, though, to verse 13. Just follow me. It (laughs) says that the sixth angel sounded, from the four corners of the golden altar that is before the Lord and began to say, release the four angels from the river Euphrates. Stop right there, Eyes up here. Where does the voice come from? It comes from the golden altar that is before the Lord. This doesn't mean anything to us, okay? Because we're not there, we didn't understand this. The golden altar that was before the throne of the Lord, these four corners was indicative of one thing in that day, sacrifice, two things, and mercy. This is where the sacrifices would be offered. And if you found yourself in trouble. You could run to those altars and grab the corners of the corners of the altar and find mercy. I say that because even as this continues to unfold, it gets pretty nasty. A third of the world is now killed. That's a lot of people. My math tells me that's 1 billion people, okay? 8 billion people on planet earth. Let's just use clean numbers. The rapture's already happened. 4 billion gone. Let's just go half these. okay? half these. Half are gone. 4 billion remain. Chapter 6, at a quarter of the population disappears. So that's 3 billion left. Now it says here that another third of the population perishes. That's another billion. So there's 2 billion people left and a billion, is a billion a big number to you or a little number to you? Just so you know, how many guys think a million a lot? Just, just so you guys know, this is kind of fun. A million seconds ago is 11 days. Okay. A million seconds ago. A billion seconds ago is 32 years ago. Okay, a trillion seconds ago is 32,000 years ago. That's the difference. When you add a billion and a million, it's kind of a big deal. So if you want to be a millionaire, good luck. If you want to be a billionaire, it ain't going to happen. It's a lot. <laughs> and here's my point. Guys, here's, here's my point. Because there's two, two main focuses that, that we want to see in the scriptures all the, time, all the time. God's goodness, mercy, grace. Satan's reality, the underbelly of sin. What, what is Satan really trying to do? trying to make a deal with the devil, you're going to get the short end of the stick. It's never going to bring fruit. And so here, the sixth angel is released and the four angels are beckoned and now 200 million soldiers kill a billion people. Where does the voice come from though? Just contrast it. It comes from the altar of mercy. Because Don't get it twisted. People get mad at God. Oh, a big bad God is going to judge the world. It's like, well, how is he going to judge the world? Patiently. Contendingly. He's going to contend for the souls of humanity. As a matter of fact, it said there are three woes coming. When I was studying this last night, I was reminded, and even in our prayer session, Regina, uh, uh, Regina prayed this morning, and she quoted Isaiah chapter 6, and it was what it was going through my mind. In the book of Isaiah chapters one through five, Isaiah is this prophet. He's going around looking at everyone. like, Woe to you! And woe to you! Woe to you! He's all mad at everybody, you know? And, oh, and in chapter six, the Bible says he sees God high and lifted up. And he backs up. Listen, and there's an altar there. And he says, Woe to me! Woe to me! And he drops to the knees, like, Oh no, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then an angel, Jesus, takes the coal from the altar. Touches his lips, cleanses him, and sends him back into battle. And it's the mercy of God. You guys got to understand this because we can get this like high and mighty Christian spirit where we're better than everybody else and God is misrepresented as this warmonger. No, no. He is merciful, gracious, and kind, willing that none should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of saving grace. And you're probably all saved here this morning. Maybe not everyone here is saved. I hope you are. You can get saved today. But maybe you're here today and you're wondering if this thing you're dealing with right now is, is really worth repenting over. Is God really that good? Should I give this up, this substance or this relationship? Or should I, should I bring this into order? It's just, you know, and I feel like I'm getting stung and I feel like I'm getting bugged, but I don't really know if God's for me. I kind of feel like he's against me when in reality, there is somebody against you. There's somebody out to kill you. The very first lie ever told was really a question and it was this question, is God good? Same thing we're talking about. Is he good? Is He good? That was the, that was the question to, to Eve and to Adam. And then the temptation. Well, just eat this fruit. This is from me to you. It's a little gift. And Jesus, or should I say the Father had already said, if you eat this, you're going to die. There's, there's, it's, it's not a good present. And we see Satan's true colors. By the way, by the way, time out. Did you guys know that the Garden of Eden historically we know was located in the region of the great river euphrates right here the the river euphrates is actually known by everyone as the cradle of civilization this is where all civilizations have their links the oldest of all civilizations have their ties to this region the great river euphrates and it's interesting because these angels that are there these four angels whether they're good angels executing god's plan or they're bad angels fallen demons Yeah. Some 18s, that's good good stuff right there. Thanks, sound guys. They're like, who did that? Whether they're bad angels, I don't know who's in charge or where these angels come from. I do know this. God says these are there for this time, for this hour, and for this day. The river Euphrates. It's as if God is saying, this is where it all began, guys. This is where the garden was. And this is where the first sin happened. This isn't just where the first sin happened, but where the first murder happened. And this is where the first insurrection and the first... This is modern-day Babylon. This area, the great river Euphrates. And I believe it's almost as if the Lord said, I've given you thousands of years of life and freedom and joy. And it began here, and it's going to end here. Not without my grace and mercy. This river Euphrates, by the way, you can Google it later. You don't need to, but its origin is in the country of Turkey. And then it flows through Syria, and then it weaves its way through Iraq, and it ultimately ends in Iran. Interesting. These four countries, possibly linked to these four angels, these four countries, by the way, by and large, are antichrist, uh, Muslim nations with different worldviews than the Lord. Lord. And from these four angels come an army of 200 million. I did the math last night. I used the internet. You guys have used the internet before? I, I, and I typed in the population of Turkey and population of Syria and population of Iraq and population of Iran, and it's just over 200 million, okay? That doesn't mean anything. Don't worry about it. It's just, it's just, but I was like, whoa, 200 million, you know. Now, when we get to Revelation chapter 16, this army from the east, the Bible says that the Euphrates River is dried up in order that the armies from the east can march and bring this vengeance. And I believe this army from the east is going to exact this casualty of one billion people, a third of the planet Earth. And Bible scholars for ever, I'm one of them, have linked this together, not just with Syria and Iran and Turkey and Iraq, but more with China, with their mass, 1.2 billion people, and not just China, but with Japan and the seven tigers of Asia. And as they can march through the, the Pan-Asian Highway, linking all of Asia together. And some say that these are going to come from the East, killing these billion people, 200 million strong. As a matter of fact, in 1964, April, I wasn't there. Can I get an amen from somebody, man? I was, yeah, you know, wasn't there yet. Some of y'all were, some of y'all were. Anyways, in 1964, apparently, China went on record on the radio And they announced in one of their kind of military communist campaigns, they said, we are ready today. In less than two months, we can amass an army and take on the world. And that army totals, and they said it on air, 200 million men. Nobody had ever claimed that. The Bible here declared it. No one had ever until 1964. And whether it's China or whether it's these four nations that are prevailing there in the Middle East, and the Middle East is a dark place to this day, Or maybe as we're going to see them described here. Look at what he says here. It says that in verse 16, now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire and smoke and brimstone. And by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed fire, smoke, and brimstone, which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. What, what is John seeing? Is this military warfare? Is this bomber jets with, you know, firing action from tails and heads? Is this tanks swiveling around? Is this smoke and brimstone and fire? Is it chemical warfare, as we've seen from the nation of Syria? And just people, a third of the world is going to die in the future from this attack. Is this demons? Because it sounds like demons. Some people believe these the, are the locust swarms. Or maybe is it a, a, a demonified army, half human, half demons, like zombies. There's kind of a zombie, uh, 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 what's it called? Asphyxiation. People are, apocalypse is coming. Yeah, you guys ready for that? Yeah, I, mean, I see people with stickers on their car. They're ready for the zombie apocalypse. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't know, man. I don't know what this is. And how many of you guys like puzzles? You guys like puzzles, putting puzzles together and you find a piece? Like, I don't like puzzles, you know, but some of you guys do. And, and, and there's a the temptation to read this and try and put the pieces together, and maybe it is China, and maybe it is these four nations. And, man, if you just Google, there's images, there's whole movements out there. It's this and the four corners. Let's, let's make some application for our own lives. God says that these angels have been prepared for that very hour and day and month and year. They're there right now. Now, are they underneath the river Euphrates swimming around, you know? Waiting to come. I don't know. Probably not. But God is in control. Absolutely in control of the big picture. With or without your help, He doesn't need your help to figure the puzzle pieces out. And I wouldn't even advise you to go down those rabbit trails trying to figure it all out. As a matter of fact, when John wrote this, he tells us something more astonishing than what we just saw. Next verse, verse 20. But I've got that circled. But. He just saw a billion people get killed, but the rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, they did not repent of the works of their hands. Stop right there, eyes up here. John's like that was crazy. Hyacinth blue and sulfur yellow and red. Which, by the way, the colors of the Chinese military flag are red, yellow, and blue, along with about twenty-five other nations. So. Yeah, big, big. Pick which one you're against, you know. John, though, is like, wait, wait, wait. In all, in all of this, smoke and brimstone, people didn't die. There's a billion people left, two billion people, if I did my math right. Wouldn't repent. It's like, wait, why wouldn't you repent? I, I mean, same reasons you don't repent. Same reasons we don't repent today. They wouldn't repent. He, he actually lists an exhaustive list of the things they wouldn't repent of. I'm going to go through that list. Maybe you'll find your thing in there. If I don't hit your thing, email me and I'll find something for you to repent of. But again, this is in tandem. God gives them these plagues. You guys remember when I see the word plague, I think of the Egyptians. When God said, hey, let my people go. Not a, not a big deal. These aren't even your people. Let them go. You know? Pharaoh could have been like, sweet, get them out of here. He wouldn't do it though. He hardened his heart. And God's like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a plague to kind of loosen up your grip. And he got one plague and then he got two and he got three. And how, how many plagues did he get total? 10, 10 plagues, the, t- the 10 plagues of Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty patient in my opinion. God's like, 10 plagues. How many of you parents, don't raise your hand, are the counters? Like, hey, hey, put that down, put it, no. One, two, you know, when you get to three, three, kid's like in order, you know, figured it out, three. No parent counts to 10. You know what I'm saying? It's three and it's done so. You know what I'm saying? You ever see that parent like eight, nine, no parent gets to 10. God does. In the, in the plagues, he keeps going. And so here, God's patience with people. And I want to apply this to our lives because here we are in 2019, closing out the year. And I got my own struggles. I, don't, I was going to say I don't care. I'll, I'll say it because it communicates the message. I don't care what country it is or how it's going to work out doesn't. That's, that's a distraction. What I wanna care about is my own revelation in how I'm walking with the Lord. What what would He have me to get a hold of? We've identified the fact that those subtleties we believe in and that we fall for, they're from the devil. He only ever wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't ever meet you halfway and say, I gotta, you know, I'm gonna upgrade your marriage, or I'm gonna bless your taxes, I'm gonna help your health. He doesn't want to do that. And yet we settle. And the Lord's going to shake us up by God's grace. Listen, he's going to bug you. You're going to get stung. Man, I'll tell you, it was a really cool week. I found myself getting bugged. I really did. And I found myself on the other end bugging people. Like I kind of, you know, just, we had a lot of making decisions and just kind of, you know, my personality gets kind of big sometimes. And, and you know what we did? We, we worked through it. And I'll just use a better word. We repented. Okay. Okay. Christianity is a lifestyle of repentance, where you get saved. That's awesome. Go in heaven. So cool. Now what? Now we let the Lord identify those things in our lives that He wants us to let go of. Don't raise your hands. How many of you in here right now? though, will have some things He's wanting you to let go of. And you're like, I don't want to. Like, you know, trying to hide it from your spouse or from Him. You know, or He has X-ray vision, man. He sees it all. Let me just list these things, because maybe yours is here. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. Number one, of the works of their hands. I just have that as its own category. Because mankind, myself included, is so guilty of just making stuff up with my own hands. Just made this up. I make up my own narrative. Make up my own story. We make stuff up and say, this is right. This is the truth. And God's like, you need to repent of that. You see, here's the deal. God's in charge. You're not. Amen? Amen. Okay, theology 101, there is a God and you're not him. Okay, that's theology 101. In Genesis chapter one, God doesn't justify his existence. Did you notice that? He just says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's like, no, I'm I'm, I'm the big cheese. I do this, this is my deal. And yet humanity, and maybe not you, but humanity makes stuff up with our own hands. We have narratives and storylines that eliminate God from being part of anything. He says, you need to repent of that. Repent of making stuff up with your own hands. He goes on to maybe make it a little more specific. Not only did they not repent of the works of their hands, and that they should worship demons, stop right there, eyes up here. He says, there's still people worshiping demons. I don't know about you. Maybe nobody in here worships demons. We have a few of those weird friends out there that got the, the weird tattoo and they actually worship demons. Like, what are you doing, dude? Don't worship demons, you know. Most of us aren't doing that here, right? You know, repent if you are. But I would just say it this way: anything that is spiritual that is not from God, is from the devil, okay, take it to the bank, take it to the bank, new ageism, enlightenment, okay, spiritual meditation, apart from connecting with the Holy Spirit, which by the way, meditation is from the Lord, so you know, okay, the Middle Eastern religions hijacked it from God, okay, let's, let's hijack it back, you should meditate on God, People, they they like to be spiritual and apart from God. It's demonic. There is no other connection. He says people don't repent from their demonism and their demon worship. It goes on to say that they worship demons and idols, and he lists them of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Now, in those days, idol worship was prevalent. It was a big deal. People actually had idols that they would make, And they would worship them, and God's like, wait, you made that with your hands. It's deaf, dumb, and mute. It doesn't do anything. And you're worshiping it? Like, yeah, it's so cool. He's like, no, it's not. You made it, dude. Stop worshiping it. Like, how dumb are you, you know? And so we're sophisticated, right? I don't have any idols. I don't got any, you know, things in my house. We don't do that here, right? We don't have anything that we've made that we worship. Or Wait. Do you park yours in the garage or on the driveway? You know, where do, where, where do you park yours at? And, and we, we have these things. And let me just make sure we understand this because having a car or a house or stuff isn't bad. It's when that stuff has you in an unbalanced way. And I'll put it this way. This is, this is important. When the things that you have take the place of your peace and comfort, your value and your purpose, take the place of God, it's become an idol. Don't be, don't be even deceived by that. Just like repent today. Like, oh man, this, this thing I've got, this is not sinful, it's, it's, it's too important to me. I need to bring it down a notch. I don't even need to get rid of it. I just need to label it what it is. Thank God for cars and for houses and for relationships and experiences and, and stuff. But when that is all you live for and think about, it's taken the place of idols. And let me just make sure you, you swallow this. Tim Keller says it this way. We are idol factories and we make idols all day. And we grab something that's good, listen, we remove one of the O's and we make it God. We don't even think about it. It just becomes so important to us. What do you do? Just repent, okay? Repent, ask the Lord to change your feelings toward this thing. You can still enjoy it. If you gotta get rid of it, get rid of it. These guys, they wouldn't repent of their idol worship. They're getting plagued and they're still worshiping idols. Then he gives some more specificity. Look at it up later, it's a word. Verse 21, and I'm done with this last verse. And they did not repent of their murders. Now, most of us in here aren't murderers. Jesus said it this way, that if you have anger towards anyone in your heart, it's the same as murder. And I would just say, if you're a Christian here, anger, okay, frustration, that's natural. Harbored anger is demonic. You gotta just forgive. Murders, he goes on to say, they didn't repent of their sorceries. The word their sorcery is in the Greek, pharmakia. It's where we get our English word, pharmaceutical. Interesting. People always wonder, did God say don't do drugs? Does it say anywhere in the Bible don't do drugs? Right there. The people in the future will not repent of their drug abuse what he says, sorcerers, which by the way, I don't have time to to unpack this. I'm going to say it as fast as I can. Drug use and abuse opens up a spiritual realm, whether you knew it or not. And when you open up your mind to drugs, whether you're shooting up or smoking or ingesting or even the abuse of alcohol, alcohol is also a drug. When you open up your mind in these abusive ways, you open yourself up to portals and to spirits that you have no business tampering with. You take to the Lord. Some people say all things in moderation. Maybe, maybe. 1 Corinthians 6 says, all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. And I will not be brought under the power of any. If you're brought under the power of something, time out, back up, back up, think about it. Okay, I feel shook up and bit and plagued. I'm gonna go get shook up and bit and plagued some more. No, 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 don't do that. Two more, maybe one more. He also says they wouldn't repent of their sexual immorality. Now, we've talked about that in the past. I would just say the Lord gives us clear instruction in the scriptures. Anything other than what he instructs is a deviation or a perversion outside of his instruction in the Bible. And people don't want to give that up. I don't want to give it up. And, and, and it's crazy because it's, it's, it's tearing you up. This, this, this addiction, this illicit sexual addiction, whether it's pornography, whether it's a relationship, whether it's fornication, you fill in the blanks. And, and God says, do you feel plagued? Do you feel, do you feel bugged? Yeah, all day long. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. And the Lord says, let go of that. Let repent. Sacrifice. Give, give something to the Now, when you figure this out, guys, it's a lifestyle. I remember back in 1998, Thanksgiving Day, I was by myself. And I was reading 1 Peter 4 in Ashland. And 1 Peter 4 talked about serving the Lord, sacrificing and suffering for God. And something in my heart said, I want to do that. I've been such a selfish jerk my whole life. I've been such a bozo, such a slob, such a dude. And I said, and I prayed right then. Lord, what can I do right now to serve you and sacrifice? You know what the Lord said? He spoke to my heart. He said, spit that dip out of your lip. I had a skull mint in my mouth. And he's kind of gross. This is my story, not yours, by the way. And, And I said, and then he said, and take that pack of camel wides out of your pocket and don't smoke him anymore. And then you know what happened? I got excited. I was like, no way, dude. That's so how I talked to the Lord. I don't know how you talk to the Lord. And I said, "I said, are you for real? You want me to quit chewing and quit smoking today? And I started getting fired. I was like, dude, that's gonna be nuts. Like, that's gonna be hard. And it was, it actually wasn't easy. And I wasn't even 100% successful at first. But I took that dip out, That was gross, you know? And I took the pack of smokes and I put it on my TV by myself in Ashland. And I said, Lord, I'm gonna suffer. Want to suffer i don't want to I'm, if that's what you want if that's the first step of sacrifice suffering repentance and but guess what 20 years later 22 a long time later <laughs> to this day the lord says hey luke you want to want to go through the grid again is there anything in you need to let go of you know different christianity and you're plaguing and what's going on i just and i wanted to teach this lord armageddon this is gonna be super fun you know And I wanted us to have something that the Lord would search our hearts. Lastly, and I'm gonna have Ryan come up right now. He's gonna lead us in the song. It says they wouldn't repent of their thefts. And, and he just puts that, like, at this time in Armageddon, at that point, they're still stealing stuff. Like you're just taking this little, little this, little that, you know, and, and maybe your list, maybe you weren't hit here in this list of idols and, and sexual immorality or, or murders or thefts. Maybe, you know, maybe you, ooh, I dodged the bullet, man. My, my sin wasn't mentioned, whatever your sin is. And, and here's a cool thing. The Bible says, That when you come to the altar to worship, listen, pay pay attention. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to hear. So cool. I'm gonna be honest. The first service, the 9 a.m. service was really hard to preach. I wasn't, my mind wasn't there. The coffee didn't work and it was just, it didn't work. It was just, it was was just a wash. You know, pray for the 9 a.m. service. They got nothing this morning. (laughs) And you know what I had to do? I trust the Lord. I said, you know what, Lord? I said, you, you, you touch hearts and minds. You speak to them. And I, had, and I went back in my office, and I smiled. I was like, I blew it, but the Lord didn't. Because I believe that the Lord is more powerful at all times than I will be, than you'll be. And if you quiet your heart, here's my, my greatest hope. I see you guys' faces. I see, I, I see you guys and I love you guys. And I'm so thankful for the areas that God has gotten a hold of my life. And I stopped the crazy. I stopped it. I stopped the abuse. I stopped the nutso stuff. Walked away from that, that scene. What the heck are you doing there? What are you doing? Now, the whole message of the Bible is that when you get bit, don't stay there. What are you staying there for? Jesus, on purpose, sought the people that were all messed up. And he held them by the hand, showed them what's going on. They squirmed and they, they tried to get away, but they knew he loved them. He went to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus was just a selfish jerk. and Jesus said, I want to change you, bro. And at the end of that dinner, Zacchaeus was like, man, my, my whole life's different. I've been such a jerk. and would I repent. Salvation had visited that house that day. And it's so good what the Lord wants for us. This is going to happen in the, in the future, Armageddon. God's going to visit people. With altar The four horns The corner Repentance will happen Some won't So Lord in Jesus name Would you bow your heads Here we are And I pray for my, my brothers And my sisters And I ask in Jesus name For this service Lord To to shake us up Because I I believe You have better For some here this morning You have better You have riches Spiritually Emotionally you have wealth and strength and healing you have life and life abundantly not just eternally but here on earth and there are people that are being strangled by some of the relationships and the deals that they've they've held on to they're saved by your grace we're going to heaven but right now we're working it out and i pray for my brothers and sisters that they would be emboldened today like i was in 1998 to do something radical they would say yeah i was a kid before and i did kid stuff but i'm not kid anymore If you're here today and no one's looking, I'm not going to look either. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you you need to repent, and and you also additionally need help to repent, but you've got something in your life that's out of order. You know it's out of order. You love God and and you want to love him more, but you're just holding on to this death. You don't even know what to do. Maybe you're at a loss. Maybe you're in too deep. It's too far. And you need help. And the Lord would say, you're never too far. It's never over until it's over that's you and you just need help and you're going to cry out to the lord for for his guidance in the next steps would you raise up your hand right now just bold up to him no one's looking this is between you and him you're crying out for mercy in this area of unrepentance you don't want to justify it any longer you've you've justified it long enough but it hasn't been fruitful for you what are you doing you're asking yourself you don't want to be like samson with potential but instead you live in destruction you want to be like jojo who's tempted daily but you stay the course raise up your hand please just don't don't miss this opportunity lord you see the hands in which you touch hearts would you even right now if your hands not up and you need to just break just the first step today first step just asking for help raise up your hand right now lord would you bless and would you break the chains would you eradicate lord the darkness would you bring in light so they see what's going on in jesus name so we wouldn't be like this group that we can almost poke fun of and say really really you wouldn't repent after all this was going down and here we are unwilling so lord i pray you put your hands down you'd bless my friends in jesus name holy spirit lead them break the chains take away the addiction take away the impulses take away the desires show lord the the teeth of the ugly one we wrestle not against flesh and blood that person you need to repent towards or from is that that, they're not the enemy but there is an enemy Pray, give us that discernment. We love you, Jesus. We're going to come to the table now and celebrate communion. That is your broken body and your spilled blood for our sins. And we repent. And if you need to repent today, do so. Repent until you win. Quit until you find yourself free of that addiction, that impulse, whatever it is. The Lord's mercies are new every morning. And God, as we take communion now, we do so to the glory of God and, and for the good of others. Would you be honored in this time? In Jesus' name we pray.